Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of 1% Better and this week's episode is with an entrepreneur uh, focusing on wellness and when I say entrepreneur, um, her face on the other side of the the camera kind of squinches up. I don't know. Is that something you're not comfortable with that term, Vicky? You are an entrepreneur and you're a coach for entrepreneurs as well. So also a blogger and you have your own podcast out now as well, which is called Just Start Now. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. And when I talk through that, which one kind of makes you most uncomfortable and which one makes you most feeling at home of all of those uh, roles? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I did pull, screw up my face a little bit there. I think uh, the term entrepreneur is something I've had to really get my head around, certainly in the last year, two years. I left a full-time job in a completely different industry, in the music industry, um, after over a decade working in London um, and moved to working for myself and followed the passion that I'd found in health and wellness and particularly around food by starting my blog, which is called The Flourishing Pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the idea of being an entrepreneur was never something that I had ever considered. I never identified myself as an entrepreneur. Um, but what I rapidly began to realize working for myself was that was the path that I, I wanted to follow that I did want to work for myself and not not freelance and work for other people and provide and, and support their businesses but actually create and do something myself so it's a term I've certainly been grappling with and it's one that I I'm trying to embrace fully now as well and particularly helping my clients now who are also wellness entrepreneurs people in the wellness space be that nutritional therapists or health coaches themselves and actually help them identify themselves as well as business owners and entrepreneurs cool well i I respect and it's refreshingly honest your answer there because i I could interview people on the show and you know they're entrepreneurs and they've been born entrepreneurs and it was always in their blood and stuff like that you know and probably in some ways it has been something they were brought up around and i'm not questioning their uh, genuinity there but at least you're you're saying it's something you stumbled in so I'm, I'm interested in learning a bit more about the music industry career it was classical music you were into and working in T- tell me a bit about that that was probably came from your youth was it that's something that you always wanted to do yeah um absolutely my parents are both musicians both classical musicians play mm. in orchestras it was something that i'd always known and always done um when i was at school i realized that i didn't want to play the music i knew that that was quite a a niche thing to do and i didn't i didn't in, i, I love the playing but i didn't want to do that bit professionally but i quite enjoyed the the management side of it i was in my youth orchestra and i used to run all the social events and i quite you know quite like bossing people around and telling people you know organizing things and so actually that became the nice synergy that I could spend time with musicians and around the music I loved but actually going to the management side so I spent 10 years working in London from small chamber orchestras just working in a team of one or two people up to one of the larger London-based symphony orchestras for four years doing work all around the UK and studio film and video soundtrack um, 
music and then ended up in my last job in a touring um, agency. So I was setting up international tours for orchestras, working with lots of different ones and taking them around the world, maybe that to Asia or South America or wherever it is they wanted to go. So it was a fantastic career and I very, very much enjoyed it. I still am in touch with a lot of the people that I was in touch with then and really like it loved it but this whole new passion um in health wellness food has taken me down a completely different path that I certainly wouldn't have predicted when I started out at 21 out of university Mm. I'm a my background is project management so it sounds like a lot of the skills you were using in that role were project management and typical project managers are kind of control freaks as well so you wanted that uh, ability to organize and do all of that um and a lot of times we're learning those skills but we don't realize how they're going to be valuable later right so i guess again you're, you're nodding so that's probably connecting in with stuff that you're you're doing now what are the the kind of skills that you learn in those days that you're really using to your benefit to your advantage now in in your current uh world yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's what the careers advisor used to call at school transferable skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is exactly what it is. I just said, well, it was a very niche market, but it was effectively event management. So I think the things that I learned were around scheduling events, com- how to communicate, particularly with a large group of people, how to sometimes uh scale back what you need to tell people not to hide things from people but just to streamline the the message of what you're saying um i effectively was in a sales role by the end of it so learning how to promote myself and what i did um being on the road and you know all that that entails as well what people need in those situations when they're out and about um yeah a lot of it i did feel is transferable like you say you don't even realize that you're picking it up but actually a lot of it has come to be very helpful to me particularly when I'm running things like retreats and things now um using that all to my advantage yeah a perfect breeding ground for becoming an entrepreneur by the sounds of things so so you mentioned health and wellness what was the um the trigger into that world and what brought you in I suppose to dive fully into that space yeah I think basically towards the end of um my sort of decade working in London, I was suffering more and more with IBS. So that's irritable bowel syndrome. Mm. I was getting nasty bouts of bloating. And particularly when I was, you know, traveling a lot and traveling overseas, worrying about, you know, where the nearest toilet is, or, you know, just feeling very unwell in myself Mm. was really a situation that I wanted to find myself in constantly. Um, Mm think more now I reflect on it and look back it was really my my body telling me something's not quite right here this you know as much as I I, I absolutely loved the work and what I was doing there was something not quite right and my body was obviously shouting that at me so I got to a sort of crunch point where I was I was really unhappy and it was starting to really affect and impact my life and my work 
Um, and so I started to explore what I could do to change my diet and my nutrition and sort of, you know, joined Instagram to get more inspiration around healthy eating and just felt like it opened up this incredible door to all these people who were, you know, we've been talking about that word entrepreneurial, being very entrepreneurial, creating amazing recipes, having blogs, you know, running their own businesses, doing food styling and all these these other things. It's, it just opened up this world, this other community of people, which actually at a time where I was feeling particularly in the classical music industry, which can feel quite strapped for cash and quite unsupported. I just felt like there was this other world going on of these people being very entrepreneurial, very um, innovative with what they were doing and very positive and supportive. And I started that whole journey while I was still working full time, creating my blog and just sharing what I was doing, sharing what I was eating, recipes, what I was learning, sort of, you know, my whole journey. And through that, I built a community of, you know, a group of people around me, be that in person as well as online. Um, and it all just, it just grew from there, really. Mm. Very, very interesting. I definitely want to get into how the, how, how I suppose your social media presence has developed. I will take it back to the IBS piece and, Again, just from you mentioning that, I'm absolutely can relate to it. I don't. I've never been diagnosed with IBS, and I don't have an IBS podcast here. But um, definitely, the the sometimes I notice myself if I'm on a long journey and I'm on a bus or whatever, like I'm absolutely panic stricken because I'm in the middle of nowhere and I there's no toilet facilities and I'm stressed out and I'd be thinking about it for a day or two beforehand and even we were coming back from holidays last the other day and I knew the bus from the airport from the hotel to the airport was an hour and a half and you know just before I had to go it was just the stress that's related to it and um, how much of that is in your mind as opposed to actual something going on in the body they're obviously connected I'd imagine I'd be interested to see how you dealt with was well, connected in with that and and was able to 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 improve that the situation yeah um i just to frame that i'm i'm not an expert myself i've never mm. i've studied it in any way and i've obviously tried to pick up as much information as i can from the community that i um entered into you know nutritional therapists and nutritionists and dietitians or that kind of thing however sure. it's exactly like you've said in, in terms of my personal situation and IBS is incredibly individual um, to each person. I think I've realized, particularly now leaving my job and running my life in a very, very different way and prioritizing different things um, within my life and reducing that stress of without getting better sleep, move, getting those 10,000 steps a day, um, in, introducing meditation into my life, even in a very, very small way and mindfulness. Um, I've actually found all of those things have had a far bigger impact on my IBS and the, the how healthy and well I feel more than particularly cutting out whole food groups or demonizing any particular food, which actually I went through all of that. I gave all of that a try and I actually don't think long term it's sustainable or actually w was improving um, my IBS and my symptoms massively. I think it was more of the lifestyle things and, and like you say, the, the stress and other things that are going on in your life and and identifying personally what some nutrition triggers were for me. So some things, it's just things that are very sugary and things that just, you know, don't don't personally agree with me. But yeah, it was more the mental and the lifestyle than it was sort of cutting out a whole food group and thinking it's that one thing that's poisoning me or, you know, mm. that triggering my symptoms. Okay, interesting. Yeah, no, I think probably a lot of people have the similar 
symptoms that don't maybe identify with what a label but um i think being able to kind of notice it and talk a bit about it is, is certainly important as well so when you 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 were in london for the 10 years you moved to ireland a few years ago tell me talk to me about that and was that a, also a kind of a, a turning point in your own journey yeah hugely um i met an irish man <laughs> that mm. lives in ireland and so we did, had a long distance relationship for two and a half years before I decided to move. Um, when we first got together, I very much enjoyed my job and I loved living in London and I didn't think it would ever be me that was going to move. Um, but that definitely changed over time. I sort of realized, like I say, that I was falling out of love really with the job and, and what I was doing and how it was affecting my my health. And I did see that move to Ireland as a chance to reinvent myself slightly you know I, you know it's this whole new community and that if I said hello my name is Vicky and I have a blog or I run a community or I run a retreat or I am a coach people take you as you are at that point they you know I didn't come with all of that not that it was baggage but you know that any of that reputation that that preceded me with that different industry and I did have a look around and I did try um, and interviewed and and applied for a few music positions here, but it's obviously a very, very different market in Ireland as it is to to the UK and the sort of size and scale that's going on over there. And actually, I just thought, like I said, it was that sort of more entrepreneurial, positive, exciting, supportive environment that I came into. And so when I moved over, I started running events for the health bloggers community here as a way for me to meet and network with new people and mm. ran my own events. You know, we were talking about using my skill set. So I'd set up a networking event, bring brands in and just get to meet all the people that I knew would become like a new community for me here. So, yeah, that move was was a really really big part of it obviously try and say to some of my clients you don't have to move country in order to to rebrand yourself completely but it yeah it was a huge part of it for me mm. in my coaching work i talk to people about you know when they're at a, a, a point in their life where they have to make a change and a lot of times you would say don't run away from something you know run towards something um but i i also think sometimes running away a little bit is okay too because you might have to get away from an environment to to completely change or start afresh or give you that sense of freedom which would you say you were more doing or is there a combo there i think it was i'm not even sure if it was running towards it it just felt like i had to do it 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 felt like it wasn't really even a not even a thought process but you know it just felt this was the right path it just is where I needed to go and what I needed to explore and actually I suppose I'm I'm lucky here now living with my other half and having this opportunity to just go this is my chance to to give this a go and see if I can do this see if I can build my own business learn as much as I can take everything in that I can and and give it a go so I suppose it was running but not even realizing I was running it just felt like I was you know I don't know on a conveyor belt with it and actually this it just felt like it was going to happen without sounding too crazy and like it was destined but you know that that's how it felt no no that's that's cool you know it's interesting just to kind of tap into what what the uh energy is or you know what's bringing you in, in that direction so talk to me about building your own brand what are the the challenges that you've faced in the early stages of being an entrepreneur and how you've tackled them we, we mentioned some of the skills you were able to transfer which is which is brilliant and and very useful what are the the skills that you really needed to 
develop, I suppose, and that you you had to kind of bring in to make things successful? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, for me, it's the sort of two sides. The the first side being all the the practical things that I've basically taught myself. So building a website, creating social media accounts, learning how to engage and, and build those up, building a mailing list, you know, all of those sort of practical meaty things that you've you want to build and 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 so that you have an audience to speak to and someone to sell to but the other part of it hugely for me was mindset just how much I have had to learn compared with being a PAYE employee basically the whole of my life guaranteed paycheck at the end of every month regardless of what your results are or how hard you're working or whether you're actually switching off most of the time when you were in the office not that I was doing that but you know that that sort of safety net that's always there and actually realizing that I had to get to know myself really well to a point that where actually sometimes it's uncomfortable because you have nowhere else to turn you've got no fingers to point at anybody else you've got no one else to look at when the paycheck isn't there and you you aren't earning the money other than yourself what am I going to do how what what am I how am I blocking myself here what am I doing to invest in myself why am I not doing what why am I not taking that action there's 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 no one else to to look at and so sometimes like I say that's a comfortable and exciting journey and sometimes it's really uncomfortable but it's but it's necessary so yeah mindset for me and even though technically I had been in a sales role for the last four years of my working life I think I've learned more about sales and certainly selling myself in the last last year than I did in four years working for someone else selling someone else's products and services because I think when you're doing it for yourself mm. um, it's, it's completely different yeah I'm interested in just to kind of dig into even both of those so like the the, the how question of how you help how, how you developed that more positive mindset or, or being able to get to know yourself what, what are the the approaches you've used that you've kind of developed over time to, to kind of build that resilience I suppose yeah um I would say meditation and journaling mm-hmm. and, and again like I, I don't spend hours doing those things try and do a little meditation of five or ten minutes in the morning and actually I'm using a website I don't know if any of your listeners have um, followed it called 750 words which is this idea of that sort of morning practice of just emptying your brain mm. a bit and, and pouring cool. those words out onto the page which is really um been helpful um and join it like having a coach myself as well trying to talk through and actually get get straight in my head what's going on with with the blocks um I think those will probably be the most important things that I've done you know and actually expanding myself, actually training as a coach and joining other communities where you can share and be honest and um, process those things and actually just giving it time. I think a lot of us would always all like, you know, instant reactions and overnight success, not that such a thing I think really exists, but um, just being patient with myself and having to realize, and I think that does come from that meditation, mindfulness, and maybe just a bit more age as well, just to... to trust that it's all going to happen in the right time yeah yeah no i definitely can connect to the 750 words website i hadn't heard of it it's an interesting one i do the journaling on a regular enough basis as well and you've heard probably of the the morning pages approach that some people really are, are invested in and it's all that emptying out the madness that's going on in there 
because once it's out it's obviously a lot uh, a lot less kind of consuming um so totally believe in in all of all of that you've said the sales piece though is another part that i'm fascinated about so how how have you become comfortable or working towards comfort in selling oneself uh, the only example i can probably use because when i created rob of the green which is i kind of separate myself from that and when i you know tweet and stuff like that i still have great reservations of retweeting something 10 times over the course of a weekend because it's like i don't you know you're almost like i don't want to be in anyone's face but at the same time the flip side you have to actually do it because nobody's going to hear it otherwise and a friend of mine who's a photographer when i was putting together logos and images and he was like you have to put your face on this because nobody will know who it is otherwise and i was like oh but you know not comfortable doing that but he's like get over that so how have you developed getting over that uh discomfort and just saying yeah what whatever i had you know this is what i gotta do sort of thing yeah i think this has been massive for me and it's something I'm going to be doing public speaking about coming up about actually moving from feeling so cringy and toe curlingly awful about sales to actually teaching other people how to do it in a more authentic way. I think for me, the biggest, the sort of two biggest realizations that I had were that sales is actually about conversations. And actually that's a really nice way for me that I realized it's quite linked back to coaching and, and training as a coach. As a coach, you should only be speaking and asking questions 20% of the time and your, your client should be speaking 80% of the time. Was very similar with sales and, and sales coaches will, will say you should be talking 30% of the time and the client, uh, the, you know, the potential client should be talking 70% of the time. Actually, which is which is great as a coach because we're trained to ask really good questions and actually let the potential customer talk themselves into the sale and when i say that out loud it all or that sounds really manipulative and controlling but that's not what i mean it's that you're asking the right questions so that actually you don't actually have to pitch or sell or push at all you're actually having a genuine conversation with them how you know what are you struggling with is it like this or what what would support you what would be the best way that someone could help you right now and then you don't have to sell yourself or your services at the end by the end of the conversation they've convinced themselves that they need what what you have to offer and all you're doing is just signing and sealing it and saying actually okay that's great well this is this is the package that I would offer I'll you know I'll send you the details and we'll sign it off Mm -hmm. yeah no no I can I can totally relate one of the things that came up when when I did the coaching diploma a few years ago and some of the experienced coaches at the time would say you know when you're working with a coachee and you're allowing them to talk to 90 or 80 percent of the time after a great session they feel like you know they feel great and you feel like you're a fraud because you actually don't feel you did anything other than other than listen most of the time and as you said ask a couple of good questions which is the is the skill is the experience but until you get comfortable with that and then that feeling of knowing yeah it's this is what it's all about um it it takes a while so it it it's very interesting and there's a lot of similar you know the nlp techniques lower neuro linguistic programming which is embedded in sales a lot of the time you use an awful lot of it in coaching um from your training and learnings what are the kind of tools you use a lot in coaching ones that anyone listening could even pick up quite easily ones that are useful any anything come up for you there 
think one of the best ones that I've picked up, I don't know if you or your listeners know, Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. She has a brilliant, uh, well, she just calls it the model, which is very, very simple. This idea that when we experience a, a circumstance, when something happens to us, that triggers a thought. And that thought then triggers a feeling. And that feeling then makes us take a certain action. And when we see the result of that action, that feeds back into into another thought. Mm-hmm. And actually, tr- just that, I've and I've taught that and I've passed that on to a lot of clients because I think as a tool, it really removes you from the situation and all those, you know, we are not our thoughts because actually we can change our thoughts. And I think for me, that's the most powerful thing with coaching and actually having that as a tool to go, okay, I'm experiencing this situation. You know, I don't know what it is. A, a client just said no to me or I've, I don't know, I've gained five pounds or, you know, you know, someone you know, just something, something bad's happened what is the thought process and that's what I try with most clients to catch and I think with other people I say can you just take a pause can you just take a step out of that and say what am I thinking you know what am I thinking here what's the thought process that triggered that and then how is that making me feel okay well if I don't want to feel like that then I can change the thought that goes before that and I think that is yeah like I say really really powerful to realize that we're, we're in control of that and we, we don't have to let the circumstances dictate how we feel and what we do as a result. We we can change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good on self-awareness, really. It's helping people just be aware m- more, which I think a lot of times we just don't even notice during the day. We don't take a breath or a second at all. Um, so, no, that's uh, useful to share. I, I think people will connect with that. You mentioned some of the materials, some of the content you're working on, you you have to train yourself or learn yourself and now you're actually training others on that that's that's for me interesting with podcasting workshops i never thought i'd be doing those a few years ago what's been your kind of process to dive into the material and then how how have you even moved towards somebody that could actually teach it maybe talk to me about some of the learnings along that little journey I think when I look back, it was fascinating. So the last job I worked in in music, we used to set up social media profiles on websites for classical music artists. And I say we, but it was a marketing department. And it was one of those things I just thought, well, I've got no idea what they're doing at all. And actually, then when I started the blog, I did do a blog school, you know, sort of blog training for six weeks to teach me the basics. And really from there, it was learning as I went and seeing what worked and realizing that increasingly my my audience and the people I was engaging with the most were asking me well how did you do that and how did you get that to work on your website how did you make it look like this or how did you get your mailing list to do that um and thinking okay well how can I I, and I really enjoy I, I do enjoy teaching I think it was something I never certainly thought as a as a child or younger I wanted to be a teacher but when it's something that you've learned yourself and you've found a quick quicker way to do it and you don't want someone else to go through that long-winded painful way of, of doing it that you can fast track them and um, what I've started doing is packaging those up in just short videos as much as I can 10 minute videos um, I have something sort of little challenges five-day challenges and trying to break things down and make them as accessible as possible I know certainly I was looking up actually recently I sell a uh, masterclass on how to start a blog because it's exactly what I've done is, you know, what I'm known for, how Mm -hmm. to start a blog for your wellness business. Um, 
And I searched on Google and I think it was 280 million hits on how to start a wellness blog. And I just thought, well, you know, why, why me? You know, I need to communicate that to people. Why me? And I think I, I'd like to think I have a way of breaking that down and taking all the jargon out of it and actually trying to, to strip it right back to well, what is important and actually trying to encourage people like the podcast to, to just start, just give it a go because you never know otherwise. You just sort of sit and think about it and go, well, that's too difficult and tell yourself stories about why it's not possible when actually the most thing, the most you can do is to actually do it and then you'll learn learn faster than sitting around thinking about it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Taking the first step, your term of just start, I would always say it's just about getting whatever it is that you need to push yourself. For me, it was about spending money. I, I kind of invested in something and tr that I knew once I did that, I was able to take that first step because I don't like throwing away money. When you're coaching people or even for yourself, what was the motivating factor what was the one thing that made you take that first step that just started what pushed you forward or, or what are you finding works with clients to, to get them to, to you know from moving to from a standing part part to a moving part I think it is breaking it down into manageable steps and helping people just put that foot on the ladder or you know dip that toe in the water and finding a way to meet them where they are rather than you know going five steps ahead and thinking certainly when I teach um, and, and do lecturing on how to start a blog we sort of start off and say well whose blog do you really like and a lot of people will say well you know I'd love to have a blog like Deliciously Ella or you know um, Hazel Wallace at the Food Medic or something like that you know but but there's no point you know I'm never going to have a blog like that so why even bother starting and thinking well hold on we need we need to wind it right back and actually just just take the whole thing apart and take it step by step because no, you, you won't have deliciously Ella's blog next week or even next month, but you know, she had to start somewhere too. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, really, really trying to break it right down, turn it into practical, manageable steps and actually just giving people the confidence that we, we have all started somewhere. And I think that's a big part of what I say to people. Look, I did this from nothing. I knew nothing about how to start a website or how to start social media channels or how to attract clients. But it is something you can do if you just get started and, and trying. I certainly have a Facebook group and things for celebrating those wins and giving people, people little bits of feedback to just keep boosting their confidence to, to just do it. Mm. Over the different channels you've developed on social media, I think Instagram is probably the one that you're most connected in. I was following you there. I see you have thousands of followers. You're very active on it. Have That's obviously maybe the one you've made your most impacts on. How have you approached that versus the other ones? How have you learned along that way? Because again, I suppose a lot of the people that are coming into this world, be it podcasting or, or anything trying to get their message out there they're like confused about what platform do i go to they're playing with all four or five how have you narrowed your focus and kind of bet on one or two i think the biggest things to consider when you're looking at social media profiles is if you are going to sell something where is your audience because there's no point going onto a platform if actually your audience isn't there and isn't spending time there. So really thinking about, well, who is it I'm talking to and are they actually 
on this platform and the second one being actually what do you enjoy doing because I have a lot of clients that, that will sign up with me and say oh god Vicky you're, you're just going to tell me I have to be on Facebook and I have to start a mailing list and I have to do all these things and I say no no I'm not because actually if it's not for you and if you don't enjoy doing it and it's not something you want to give your time and effort to there's there are other ways to, to grow a business that you don't require you to be on every platform I would say I started on Instagram and I really loved it and I really enjoyed it. I have um, followed people that give Instagram tips and read books and followed podcasts on, you know, strategies, which again sounds a little bit clinical, but just just ways and actually tried to see it as growing a community and making real engagement with people, real, real build real conversation and people that I've been having conversations with for months, if not years who sometimes are now turning into clients, which is really nice because you're building that know, like, and trust factor. And then I only then slowly added the other platforms, but that was only once I was in a rhythm with one. And I think that's what I try and say to people, try not to do all of it at once. I didn't have a Facebook page for at least two years. I had the Twitter, but again, I sort of schedule things and just hop in and out and don't spend quite so much time on it. And yeah, I, Try not to do everything all at once and think that you can find one, find one you enjoy and you think your audience is there and nurture that. And actually sometimes the skills and the, the techniques or the you know strategies will often be transferable, transferable across to the other ones when you're ready for them. It's interesting you mentioned the scheduling piece. Friends of mine, I was out for dinner one night and they got a tweet from me while I was sitting with them having dinner. And he said, like, how, what are you like? you forget some of the stuff you once you become very aware of it that you didn't know about before and i think that's very important to kind of dumb things down a little bit because when you started out you didn't you, you would have gone a course to do blogging you weren't naturally straight away an expert blogger and i think that's important especially when you're trying to teach stuff to keep it very simple um and then obviously uh, you know do your maybe gold silver bronze packages if people want to get in, into into more detail in the blog which which part of of the uh content creation do you enjoy most is it is the podcast is relatively new you've been doing blogging what what part is the 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 part that you just love doing um i think writing is probably still the the main love i do love blogging i love uh, certainly when i was blogging more regularly on the flourishing pantry it did feel a little bit like that journal we were talking about before quite cathartic sometimes it was topics that i was really grappling with and wanted to get my head around and so the whole process of sorting it all out and trying to make it into something that was logical and for someone else to read was actually quite a helpful process for me as well so i think I have always loved that with the writing and the language. Um, that being said, I'm really enjoying the podcasting experience. It's already bringing me in new audience, new people to my Facebook group and, and new client inquiries, which I think was quite quick. And actually, I, I'm feeling a bit silly that I didn't start it sooner because actually podcasts are the, the medium that I consume quite a lot of my um like expertise and and really enjoy and engage with other coaches and experts and things and so it feels like a a natural thing and actually I guess luckily for me in a way I'd created enough content written content that what I'm doing with the blog mm. is just turning those into podcast episodes and I'm sure it will expand from there but 
um, again, trying to do that um, repurposing of content rather than having to create something fresh and brand new all the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would say the writing very much, but I've, I'm very comfortable on, on video. And I, again, once I've written a blog, I then turn that into, you know, a, a short video and things as well. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting and a key point for, for people that when they're creating whatever if it's written they can easily turn it into a podcast or easily turn it into a video or a conversation and it's to reuse the content because you know it takes time to i know from writing a blog post it takes me the longest time to do that whereas if i could just scribble down bullet points and just talk that through and in a conversational way do a, an episode of a podcast and still want to put it on a blog I'll, I'll have to go back and do it so i think um yeah, the content reusability is a, is a key piece that people sometimes probably don't, you know, don't think about doing. So it sounds like you have a good a good uh, selection of episodes to come, which is which is great. What does a, a typical day look like for you now? So with all of this going on, how how do you manage your time? How do you manage your your week, I suppose? How do you plan it? Well, I try as much as possible to sit down on a Sunday evening or first thing Monday and plan out what I have to do and fit in all my regular things like we were talking about scheduling writing that content writing the copy writing blog posts editing um the podcast th those kind of things and slot those in around the times that I see see clients um that's obviously the sort of main bulk of what I'm doing now and then writing follow-up notes and sending those people resources and everything which is a big part of how I look after my clients um I also work with my business partner on a series of retreats that I run called the reset and so we work together one day a week so we get our heads together and, and plan content and things um for that and whatever events we've got coming up and then I do try and get it out because obviously working for yourself and working at home and I do I do work from home and I I'm quite motivated and quite happy to do that as it is um I try and get out to networking events and try and meet people um face to face as well because it's just really nice to have that little reminder that we're all experiencing the same things and having the same struggles and the same highs and lows um and actually just meet people in the flesh as well because um that always helps and um, helps new connections that you might not have even ever considered otherwise mm. How do you find the discipline element in getting all that stuff done on a on a day to day, week to week basis? What what do you use to keep yourself disciplined? Is there anything that uh, makes you stay focused? Um, I am relatively disciplined. My husband thinks it's amazing that I don't turn the TV on at all when I'm working from home. Mm. <laughs> I'm just it doesn't even occur to me. What I try and do is set myself quarterly goals. So I, I try not to go far too far particularly as my business is in the early stages set myself goals for three months and then break that bring that down okay well, what am I going to do this month and then what am I going to do this week and then plan that in so it's really like taking that larger image larger picture and breaking it down and breaking it into smaller and what I do find I'll, I'll set my list self a list of things to do each day and if I am wandering off or I'm procrastinating or something you know hold on what's going on here why why am I doing this what's this bringing me back to this task is leading to this which I wanted this week this which I wanted this month which is what I wanted you know for this quarter so trying to tap back into that but I mean that being said when you're running your own business you I could spend 24 7 just doing things there's, there's always more to do um, and actually the discipline for me is 
switching off and actually realizing that that is just as valuable to replenish myself and my own brain and my own imagination and where sometimes where the best ideas come from when I'm actually not scheduling and content creating and and glued to glued to the screen and actually away doing other things mm, yeah definitely uh, put out a I don't know, actually put out I've wrote a post I haven't posted it out yet but 10 things I've kind of learned from interviewing people like you over the last few years patterns that emerge and I think switching off and just escaping helps so much and again it sounds very obvious but some of the best ideas absolutely come to me when I'm completely away from all technology and, and everything else and it's just a matter of how quickly i can get back to technology and write it down so i don't forget it uh so so totally totally agree you absolutely need that balance just a couple of quick ones influencers that you've leaned on that have given you guidance and i know you have a coach but maybe mentors uh, in, in, instead what have you taken from some of those over the last while any major learnings that have you know accelerated your progression the biggest two are simplicity keeping things simple i know certainly when i started working with a coach i sort of was you know trying to process everything before our first session and, and wrote some you know very complicated mind map and i think the customers are going here and they'll follow in this funnel and they'll do this and they'll find me here and i was just tying myself in absolute knots and mm. she just said stop make it simple keep it simple so whenever i get those those moments of overwhelm oh my goodness where do I go now what do I do how, how do I turn this into something you know I try and remember that just just keep it simple like it doesn't it doesn't need to be over complicated and actually it's easier for you um and it's easier for everybody else if you're you're keeping it simple so I really really try and remember that as a as a basic um principle of to my working and I think the other thing for me we talk earlier didn't we about investing in yourself and actually what that means and I think we also talked about being control freaks as project managers and things and I think my realization from watching mentors and watching other people slightly further ahead in their business um, has been that investing in yourself is not just investing in courses and education for yourself but it's actually paying people to help you with certain aspects of your business mm. that you aren't the best at or that you you actually need help with and so for me that probably will be in the next few months hiring a VA or you know out, outsourcing bits of my business where I can and where I feel able to do that and where I'm you know not losing you know content control but other things that I don't need to be doing that actually in order to grow me and grow my business I do need to accept that um, some of that investment is not in another training course it's actually paying someone to help me to like we said free up that time and use my brain in a different way rather than doing something that um, is not the best use of what I could be putting out in the world yeah no I, that that's come up a lot how you value time and what what you put against that obviously these conversations are of high value in my mind um, but maybe me editing it afterwards isn't the highest value of my, my time I'd rather be doing more of these and but but it is a struggle to kind of say oh god I'm gonna spend x to get this done maybe I'll just do it myself but that's when you start running into the 17 or 18 hour days and stuff so I think that's a very important message maybe to share last maybe one or two quick ones i'm just conscious of uh 
time i suppose what's the the biggest fear you have how do you deal with fear what what uh what is the the one thing that comes up and how do you manage and maintain a control over that yeah fear comes up a lot with my clients as well and i always try and I don't know, try and dig into it and try and analyze it. Like we said, like why, what, what exactly am I afraid of? What is it I'm afraid of? And I have to say, when I really have been digging into that, you know, what is it I'm afraid of? I actually think I'm at the point now where I realize it's not um, a fear of failure. It's more a fear of success. And that, that sounds, I don't know if that sounds grandiose, but you know, it's actually what happens if this does work and what happens if this does come out off and am I going to, let people down you know am I not gonna be as good as they think I am I think actually that that's where my my brain goes and again I have I have to rein that in and catch it and go okay that's really interesting mm-hmm. uh, you know non-judgmentally that's a really interesting concept that I am um, struggling with how can I how can I overcome that? How can I make sure that I'm I, I'm not letting anyone down? Or who do I need to talk to to reassure me that that is something a perfectly legitimate thing to worry about? But that actually I'm I'm not letting anybody down, and that I am going to be able to cope with this. And I think again, like we were talking about, getting help and getting support is all part of that. I will be able to keep up with being inundated with clients and creating more lovely things that support people in my business if. If I let other people in to to help me do that so I think yeah I think those those are the biggest fears and it's just it's trying to be as logical as possible and remembering I, I'm that I am not that thought that isn't me the the real me is totally capable and totally has this um but tapping back into that mm, interesting because the advice you tend to give to other people I give to them others if I sometimes take it on myself I've solved a lot of my own problems like so I think just listening to yourself uh, a lot of time is is very good Vicky it was great to chat with you Uh, 45 minutes flew by as always in these kind of time warp zones of podcast interviews Um, just a quick call out how how folks can follow you connect in go to some of your many platforms to, to check you out Brilliant. Yeah. So um, everything you'll find for me is under vickyshilling.com. Um, and yeah, Instagram, I'm probably the most active and that's um, at vicky.shilling. So yeah, I look forward to seeing some of your listeners there. Brilliant. I'll put this out very soon. I look forward to sharing it. It's always great to connect with people doing some good stuff in similar worlds. Uh, and I always learn something from it as well, Vicky. So thanks for sharing your story and great to uh, connect with you. Thank you so much for having me. So this is the outro of the podcast, guys. You got to the end, and that is great. Please hang in here for another couple of minutes. I know most people won't, but maybe there's something here of interest. So check this out. First off, thanks so much for listening to this one, as well as maybe the hundred or so that's gone before it. Why not check them out if you haven't already? There's lots of good stuff in there. The whole podcasting journey for me has been a huge learning and I'm trying to help you guys learn and improve as well. So much has changed over the last few years since I started it. I've really realized lots of the goals that I put out there and then realized so many unexpected benefits as well. And I think anytime you take on action towards a goal you're going to pick up lots of things that you didn't expect along the way and hopefully they're good things in this particular episode was there any one or two things that jumped out maybe you could take a pen and paper out right now because this is something that you might think of during the episode but never do do it now take it out write down a goal that you're going to set yourself as a result of something you learned from this episode 
put a plan in place and then work towards it applying yourself deliberately over time take ownership build a habit improve get one percent better share accountability with somebody you know in a buddy system and learn and grow and improve that's what it's all about that's my hopefully inspirational piece done other areas to note check out the website robofthegreen.ie you can consume everything there for free there is obviously the podcast there's video one minute monday clips there's articles uh, not enough but i'd like to put more there if you're interested in putting one there let me know and there's a get better app page which i'm starting to add new content to over time there's a feedback page if you want to email me rob at rob of the instead but it's all about trying to engage you and get you to a place of improvement so i'm open to feedback as i said ways you can help me is by following me on the socials at rob of the is the website or at rob of the green on all the social platforms subscribe to the podcast on any of the apps that you might listen to it on talk about it tell a friend about it tell your family members about it share some of the ideas not only to your friends but to me is there anything i can improve upon sign up to the newsletter that's there as well i'm experimenting again with a group called slack rob of the green on slack this is really for a shared accountability environment and sharing ideas you can sign up to that on the website as well all of this is obviously all free but there is also an option where you could subscribe to my patreon site and make a small donation for the content that we do it's there it's totally up to you everything that is coming in through that or could come in through that will go into making the podcast better so to close i am always trying to improve and get better change is difficult i know that but it's all about taking the first step learning something applying yourself moving forward you can do this i've been able to improve pushing myself outside the comfort zone learning and i think if i can do it so can you don't overreach don't set yourself unrealistic goals one percent at a time is enough but it's all about starting and that will bring you on your pursuit of betterness to a great place thanks for sticking to the very end talk to you next time and take care good luck